You're very welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Podcast. On the Rise Podcast, we get an opportunity to hear about the career and life of some very distinguished guests, and today is no different. I'm Gareth Keeley, and I'm delighted to introduce today's guest, Canadian Ambassador to Ireland, Nancy Smith. How are you doing? Welcome to Dundrum. I'm doing well. I mean, you know, when I said to Kevin at a recent event, oh, should I come by and see you? I'll (laughs) pop in for half an hour. And, uh, you know, we'll just have a bit of a chat and I'll find out more about what you're doing. And now you've got bright light shining on you. So lesson, lesson learned yeah, yeah, yeah. with Kevin that uh, he means business. No, but it's great to be here and uh, it's great to actually not kind of fly in and out and spend a couple hours getting a bit better understanding of what people's jobs are and really congratulations because there's a great buzz around the floor. Um, it's great to see so many people because I go to a lot of businesses and you know I think there's a lot of the hybrid going on yeah. but clearly uh, a lot of people are here today and uh, sounds like people really enjoy their job and you're really in an important industry I think for, for Irish and for Canadians. So. Yeah look and it's, it's great to have you here to have somebody of such prestige uh, in, in the building is brilliant. So I did, did it probably did a disservice to your career to date so um, I suppose I'd love to hear from you about your career and your career trajectory that brought you to the ambassador role in Ireland. Thank you yeah I mean I think you described some of it in some ways you know when you say you're a public servant people's eyes kind of you know glaze over a little bit but uh, I did spend about a third of my career sort of working in the in the quasi-government space um, and in non-governmental organizations and I had the chance to live and work in South Africa in that capacity with a great organization called the International Development Research Center and really working on supporting researchers around kind of global problems. Um, And then I've spent about a quarter or about a third of my time in the foreign ministry in Canada in different roles and program and policy roles and about a third in some other government departments. And that's wow. kind of, you know, I think I'm, I've been lucky. I called it my kind of domestic tour of duty because when you represent Canada overseas, I found out, you know, a lot of people ask you questions about Canada. And I'm like, no, or don't you want to ask me about foreign policy, yeah. you know, <laughs> or about international issues? But uh, that was actually really a great opportunity. I worked with the um, Employment and Social Development Canada, uh, which supports uh, all kinds of uh, programs for Canadians. Um, and I worked specifically with our indigenous population on labor market programs. And I also worked uh, with our immigration and refugee department. So I feel very, very, you know, um, honored to have had such a kind of diverse, maybe a bit eclectic, some people might say, uh, career. And, uh, well, we can get to the ambassador part. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we'll, we'll definitely touch on that because it is, it's been so varied and, and so many interesting topics and really important topics as well, which is, which is good. So we'll touch on, we'll touch on some of them uh, as we move along. I suppose with those varied roles, what brought you to the ambassador role in yeah. Ireland? And what was yeah. it that, that I suppose inspired you to take that role and come into that role? Uh, one of the funnest times I answered this question, I was meeting with the, uh, uh, members of the Oireachtas that formed the Canada, Ireland, and the, and the uh, US, Ireland uh, friendship groups. And I was doing this gig with Claire Cronin, Ambassador Claire Cronin, um, you know, and they sort of asked both of us, like, how did you get this job? <laughs> I said, I cannot top, you know, her story, which is like you get a call from President Biden, he says, yeah. you know. Uh, you know, Claire, would you like to take on this role? So, I mean, the way that it works in our system is very similar to the Irish system, and I get this question a lot. Um, how do you get the job? And this is kind of a lesson for everybody. How do you get the job? You apply for it. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, and you don't apply, you know, you don't get what you don't apply for. Um, and the way that it works in our system, again, very much, and you just actually announced a whole new set of new ambassadors, including new ambassador that will be going to Canada, um, is that you are generally in the Foreign Service. So I was in the Foreign Service, and that kind of means that you are eligible to apply. Um, and you start to do some roles that you think uh, will sort of demonstrate that you have that capability um, and that you've had that kind of varied career and that you can do the job. And you end up applying kind of a couple of years beforehand because that's just the way that the, the, cycle, the cycle works. Uh, sometimes you have to do language training and you get five choices. And I always get asked, you know, was Ireland one of them? And yes, it was. Uh, and how did I get such a great job as, you know, my first role as ambassador? And I guess that means I, I must have worked hard. Yeah. Uh, and there must have been a sense that I, that I earned it. But, um, but I don't think I knew, you know, 10 years ago I would have necessarily that, applied for it. That's what I was going to ask you. Was, was there something that was an ambassador role, something you had aspired to? And did you take deliberate steps to try and get into an ambassador type role? Yeah. I mean, I always had an interest in the foreign service. And if you work in a foreign ministry and you don't see yourself working overseas, um, then you, you know, that's, you know, for, my, for my, most of us, that would be part of what you would envision, would be spending some time overseas, and you'd have to kind of come to terms with that, what that means in terms of the sacrifices. And I have three children that are in Canada. Uh, when I applied, there was no COVID on the horizon. Um, but yeah, I mean, I certainly, I certainly, it was an option, and I did my master's in international affairs. Oh, okay. And so at that point, you're kind of thinking about an international career, and you're in the nation's capital, and I think, you know, a lot of your Irish uh, colleagues would say the same. You sort of imagine you'll work in a mission, you hope that you might get an ambassador role, um, and so what do you do? Like, you just, yeah, you, how do you prepare? I mean, you don't do anything different than you would do in any other job. You work hard. Uh, you build good relationships. You uh, you know you try to make a difference. Uh, you know you put kind of put your heart into it. And um, so yeah, so I was really pleased when I uh, got this. And I should say in particular Ireland uh, is a pretty nice one uh, <laughs> yeah, to get. I think in any of our systems. And I think Canada. You know when you get the job as the ambassador to Canada. Uh, I bet you John uh, Conker is, is smiling right now today. He's, yeah, he's just yeah. been named yesterday. so He's going the other way. But yeah, no, it's great because I, I watched your, your video online of you going to see Michael D. Higgins in Arsenal And it was, was during COVID times, so you were all very far apart, but it looks very salubrious. You had the motor cavalcade coming through and, and yeah. the cars and stuff. Was that a, an enjoyable day? Oh, it was a wonderful day. You know, it's a bit intimidating. Uh, and these things can be a bit, you know, intimidating. You just kind of have to, you know... <laughs> Take, uh, somebody quoted uh, your, your former president, uh, Michael, to me the other day, just, you know, deep breaths and you take baby steps. But you can't do the t two baby steps when you're walking in front of, you know, the, uh, the, uh, when you're doing that guard of honor. But uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I think Ireland knows how to do kind of ceremony very well. Uh, and it was just an amazing experience to have not only kind of that credential ceremony, but then have the one-on-one -on -one discussion yeah, yeah. with the president, which we all um, are able to have as you're coming in and as you're leaving. Uh, and he's just, you know, obviously a brilliant person to speak with. And we, we spoke across, you know, he's always, always the joke amongst the ambassadors is, you know, there's no point in getting ready for it because he's going to know more about your country than, yeah. than you will because yeah. he's so well briefed and so well read. Um, but that was a really great experience, and it is important, I think, that when you take on these roles, that there is that ceremony attached to it, you know, in terms of kind of then you really step into it, and you really take on that role and, and feel that part. So that's been a well, 
a well-watched video. I, yeah. I'm pretty sure my mom's like a thousand of those kids you know, <laughs> playing it over well, and all of her friends in Waterloo, way. Ontario. But, uh, you know, <laughs> have you seen the video? <laughs> Very good. Could I ask you, as part of the RISE program, part of what we're trying to do is inspire female leaders within the business to take that next step and, and transition into that next role. And you talked about the different roles that you've gone through. What advice would you give to a female leader who's aspiring to get into that next role? Maybe not the next ambassador, but the next senior role yeah. in an organization. Yeah, yeah. well, we, we've got great uh, networks in our department in Global Affairs Canada. We have a, a women's network, um, and we also have a great uh, support network here in, in Ireland. And we talk about that a lot. Um, and I was just saying to one of the colleagues coming here, I mean, I think things have changed a lot you know, from the, over the 30 years, I would say, of my career, what it was like walking in sometimes being the only woman, mm. you know, in a room and you sort of look around and you think, you know, am I supposed to act like them or can I act a little bit differently? Um, and I think, you know, my advice would just really be um, to don't count yourself out. Uh, and I think women generally, I think this, the science shows and the research shows that women are more likely to look at a job description or to, uh, you know, a poster um, or to an opportunity yeah. and think about the things that they don't qualify for. And maybe men will say, well, hey, I think I'll, you know, I'll give it a shot anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I think uh, just making sure that you have that kind of confidence in yourself um, and that you don't count yourself out of those opportunities and just let yourself kind of dream big and take on that role and just have trust, especially in a great organization like this. Um, that you're going to have people around you who will support you and you're not doing it, you know, alone. And, uh, and uh, that that environment will be there. And, you, like, and it's our job to help shape that environment yeah, yeah, uh, as well. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I think, I, think it, I think things have changed. But I think you look at boards. I was very happy to meet Emery, the chair of your board. But you look at uh, all kinds of levels, whether it's, um, you know, representation on boards or at more senior levels of organizations. Uh, I think there's still some work to be done. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's some of the journey that we've gone on is like we're working with companies who help us shape our role profiles to make them more inclusive to everyone, um, whether male, female, or any, any, any things like that. And I do think it's important. People do. We talk a lot about the males will take the chance if they've got a gap of three quarters of it, they'll nearly give it a go, whereas females probably uh, block themselves out. Can I ask you another question around that, around your career so far? And you talked about being at the, the boardroom table or being at the table and, and maybe uh, feeling, should I be here or do I need to act like somebody else? Yeah. Or what have been the big challenges or barriers that you faced as, as a female getting into more senior roles? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've all probably, at some points in time, you sort of think, is there sort of a, a boys network or, you know, something that's out there where people just know each other. So if there's more senior people that are males, then they're going to know each other, you know, in a different way. Um, but again, I mean, I really think that that's changing. And I think, you know, I would say the challenges that are there, I'd almost like take the, the gender out of it. Yeah. Um, uh, in the sense that I don't really feel like there was jobs that I didn't get on the basis of being a woman. So I think that's a, a good feeling to have. Um, and I do think that things have changed, you know, over time. I do accept also, I think the public sector is maybe different than the private sector. So I wouldn't want to generalize, you know, my own um, experience. But what I would say, just kind of coming back to my other comments, is that certainly like I have had challenges along the way and I've applied for jobs that I didn't get. Um, and I can remember in one case, you know, like really being devastated and quite emotional about it. And uh, I can remember my boss came in 
you know, to the office, and he said, so just get back on your horse, and you just keep going. And I think, you know, those are the, you know, you're going to have those points in your career where you just, you don't get what it is that you're hoping, or you find yourself in a position, and you say, I don't love this position, uh, but I've signed up for it, so I guess I better do it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and you just, you know, um, make your way through it. And I think anybody who thinks, like, oh, look, that, that looks like that person's had a great life. It's probably a lot more complicated mm. than that. And people, you know, certainly I've had my own, you know, share of, share of challenges and how you cope with it is just, yeah, making sure you've got a good group around you to, you know, to talk things through with. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, so I think the really important thing is to keep knocking on the door. I don't think there'll be anyone who's ever got every job they've ever applied for. If you have, you're, you're very lucky. It's to keep knocking on the door, yeah. isn't it? And, and the opportunities will come when you work hard. That's right, that's right. Any lessons you've learned over over that time that you'd like to share your wisdom with the, with the group? Lessons learned. I bet you there's lots of lessons learned in this room that you could share, you know, with me. But, uh, um, you know, I think there's just a lot of skills that you develop over time. And uh, I'm doing all the talking here, but it's good to do the listening too. Um, yeah, and I think just being like tenacious and being a bit courageous uh, and I'm out of my comfort zone all the time. Like I thought I was coming to see Kevin for half an hour. No, I'm not saying I didn't agree to do this. <laughs> and you got this, me instead. But I didn't, you know. <laughs> but you know, you just kind of have to kind of walk out of your comfort zone. And I tell that to my kids all the time. You know, it's kind of good to have a little bit of that nervous, hmm. you know, energy. And I think just when you've seen things enough on the other side, um, and you know, you just finished like meeting important people, or you've just finished talking to a big room, and you say, "Hi, okay, I just did that." Um, so, um, you know, but I, you know, the other lessons learned are, are really just about, like, it's a long road and it's not a linear line, you know, and people think you go from A to B to C, but that's actually not how it works, is that you kind of, you know, sometimes it feels a bit more like a, like a roller coaster, um, and there's good days and bad days and, you know, just being kind to yourself. Uh, and, um... Maybe talk to us about, have you got role models or people you've looked up to or maybe careers that you've followed that have inspired you in your, in your career? Yeah, people talk about role models a lot and I think that's really important. Um, and I think you can find role models in all kinds of places. Um, I would say um, what I've often found kind of was the most meaningful to me were those people I worked most closely with. So for me, the role models, you know, were often um, people that I observed and I found that a lot, like through my career, if I was, like you mentioned, that I was chairing this executive board and that was quite a big group of people. And I knew I wanted to do something like that. So you sort of like observe, you know, and I was uh, really lucky, this organization I was in for 10 years, it was a woman who was the president. I think she was the first woman president and uh, she's got a good Irish name, Maureen O'Neill, and she does have Irish, uh, Irish roots. And um, so she was a real role model to me because I just watched how she managed the room, how she managed the board, how she managed her relationships with her staff. Um, and I think what uh, I learned a lot from her is that she was just like very personable, you know? So you have to kind of assume the role and you have to take yourself seriously, but you also can't take yourself too seriously. Um, and then behind everyone is sort of an in individual. And she was really passionate about the work and she really shared that passion. And I would say in the other roles that I've done, I mean, certainly had many role models who were ambassadors. Uh, you know, or who represented Canada in different, different, uh, different ways. And I certainly learned, you know, from them. And for me, um, you know, you, you can mention kind of famous people, um, but it's the day-to-day -day of the people that you work with that really, you know, for me, had been kind of the role model. So 
I, I so far as like I'd be in a meeting and then sometimes your mind would start to drift and I would write down like here are the interesting people I'd like to work for, <laughs> you know, right, or right. who I admire and I'm going to go have a coffee with um, and just find more about their own career, about what motivates them and those kinds of strategies. Like if you have a role model that's in your workplace, ask them to go have a coffee or just because people love talking about, you know, about you know where they've come to, and I think it's really about paying back because I certainly went and talked to, you know, a lot of people to get advice from them. I was going to ask you that around, like, for, and maybe other roles as well, but with the ambassador role, and you talked about there, you knew other ambassadors, and uh, one of the things we talk about a lot is go and talk to people who are either in the role, have done the role, or yeah. where. Did you do that before you took the the Irish oh. ambassador role? Did you go and speak to other people, and how did you structure that, or how did you go about doing it? Oh yeah, like I, I've often thought, I mean, I, I think, you know, one of the things that's interesting is that in, when you're in your career, you have to sort of think like, am I happy where I am? And that's fine if you're happy where you are. Or like, do I want to go and you become a manager and take on a bigger role? And then if you want to do that, you, you know, you sort of observe who do you think is doing a good job in doing that. And you try to get to know them and you try to develop a relationship. And I have relationships, you know, with people that I would go to around issues, you know, over many years. Yeah. And similarly, I, have, I would have people who would call me that used to work with me and talk to me about where they are you know, in their career right now. So, um, so I do think it is good to think about that and not just sort of do it ad hoc, but actually kind of like nobody will ever care about your own career as much as you do. <laughs> um, and so sort of managing that and thinking more deliberately about how you're going to do that. So absolutely, I mean, the ambassador job, um, you know, there's lots of it that's a lot of fun like this, but there's also a lot of it that's really a grind and, um, and there's a lot of kind of very operational aspects to it. Like you're running the embassy here and COVID happens and, you know, you have, there's actually a lot more operational aspects to it than people uh, would imagine. And, um, and so getting a bit of a reality check on whether or not that's the, the job for you yeah. is part of what I would have done and certainly just speaking to people that I admired and, and understanding a bit about how they how they work through that. And actually, um, when I came into the job, then they had like that you could get a coach. So you're never too old for a coach or you're never too old, you know, for to have a mentor or what have you. So just kind of getting those sorts of supports as well is, is really useful. And, and but also talking to people like outside because you can get in your own bubble, yeah. you know, so so that's really important too having those networks, you know, outside of your own work environment. Very good. I like your idea of the list. I think it is important to think about who it is you want to speak to and, and understand and why you want to get yeah, into that yeah. conversation. And what is it that with. you admire, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that's really important. Can I ask you then around, you, you talked about uh, your kids are in Canada and stuff. With the role that you've got, um, how do you make the balance, the work-life balance piece work? And, and have you found that a challenge or is it a struggle or is it something you've worked on or, or deliberately worked on to try and get that balance right? Because it's something we hear a lot about people trying to, to get the balance correct. And maybe when you come into a new role or you, you role, it can be a bit more difficult. So yeah. what challenge have you had or how yeah. do you make that work? We just had the same discussion actually with our team at the embassy. Um, and we're really lucky in our department. We have um, sort of a, some experts around uh, psychological uh, health and well-being and workplace well-being. Um, and you can imagine some of our missions and some of our staff and colleagues are in some pretty heady situations, um, working in, in conflict zones and so on. So like they're really good at that whole question about how do you manage through and everybody has their own um, techniques. But one of the things that this sort of expert said is like almost that word, that, that phrase of work-life balance 
almost makes people think like it's an equal thing. And it's actually more about the word balance mm. and taking out kind of the work life and how you find, you know, your own balance. And, uh, and, and then you realize like you're at different stages of your life. So you're a stage maybe where you don't have children. You have a stage where you have small children. You have a stage where, or maybe you don't have children, but you have, you know, parents or people that you care about. And so I think part of it is just like stepping back and saying like, where am I right now in my life? And, um, and, and what do I need to do more of and what do I need to do less of? And I don't have any secret recipe except for I've probably got the same list as everybody else does just in terms of, you know, fresh air. I, if I'm upset, I know, I know that I need to get out into the Wicklow air or into one of the beautiful counties here and just go for a lovely like forest walk. I'm a big believer in nature and just that kind of calm and tranquility and just family time and um, I don't I wouldn't say I've been perfect and I think if you talk to my kids they'd say you know I kind of missed a few birthdays okay. here and there and maybe some some uh, some bigger events but uh, but I do think again I think that um, I think employers including the government of Canada realize how much more of this is important yeah, yeah. you know and we used to all like when I was younger would be sort of you know you'd say oh yeah I was there till 10 last night and that was kind of what you thought you should say and and you'd always be talking about how you're working so hard over the weekend um, and I don't think that you know that dynamic has really shifted it, yeah I think yeah. from what I I'm older than some people in this room but then from what I would recall so I think there's a lot more understanding now like we do we have a we have a colleague who teaches yoga so great we'll use our you know really? multi-purpose room and if whoever wants to go do yoga you know, at noon, a certain day of the week, then then that's what we do. And I, you know, try to do some of those kinds of exercises and do runs. I was mentioning the Terry Fox run, which I'm happy to talk to anybody else about, but there's a Canadian uh, or two of people who have knowledge of that. So doing some fun activities like that with the staff where you can combine. I, I've, I suspect you guys do a little bit of that here too. Yeah, you've got the expertise around the business. I know in Galway and a few other locations, we've been leaning on people to help us with those kind of uh, and mindfulness and yoga and those kind of things. So it is great, great to hear. And have you, did you, is it something you had to particularly work on or really think about rather than, because I know some people. No, I'm not a workaholic. No, no. <laughs> you know, I think when you love what you're doing in your job and this is a job and, you know, I, I don't have any bones about saying that, like this is a 24 seven job. Yeah. Um, and so um, you do have to work at it in a job like this. And, and that's partly because um, it's the consular part of it. It's less, it's kind of less the kind of, you know, political job or working with businesses. It's more that if a Canadian got into trouble and we just have to make sure that, you know, we're always available yeah. to, to be supporting them here. Um, and so, um, um, I, I, like, I, I have to work at it, I guess, a little bit. Maybe we all do to some degree, but... But uh, anyway, I'm still standing. <laughs> Hopefully I look healthy enough. And, uh, you know, we all get our energy and our drive from different places. So sometimes, you know, I just, that's what I would rather do at the evening is, is working than, you know, than, uh, than, than doing something else. But, uh, you know, having family and people that are close to you helps, helps yeah. a lot. And it's important to find a balance right for you as well. The same thing isn't going to work for every single yeah. person. How about so. you? Yeah, like I think it's something you've got to work on. You've got to you've got to try and make sure that you make that time. And I have a, a five year old son, so uh, that pulls quite a bit of time. Yeah, so that will. Yeah, so when they get older, it's yeah. kind of like 
hey, aren't you going to call me? Yeah. And those puppy dog guys make you feel even worse when you're going, just go over there for a little while. And <laughs> yeah. You're pushing out of a, out a camera shot and stuff like that. But So it's definitely something I think you've got to work on and you've got to, you've got to properly consider it. it. And as I said, it's not always going to be picture perfect. You can go, I'm going to do this at this time. Things change and things vary, but it's to make sure you're mindful of it and make sure you yeah. work on it to make sure you make time for everyone. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. good. I'm going to open the, the, the floor to questions in a second, but my last question for you is around, if you were to look back, what advice would you give to 21-year-old self? Um, yeah, you know, in some ways that's easy, but in the, because I have a 20, almost 22-year-old, um, and I have two other children who are older than uh, she is, and... Um, you know, I think uh, it's just really interesting to see with the young people, and especially post-COVID, like I think it's really hard for young people who are just starting their, um, their careers. And when I look back, I mean, I, would, I ended up going to do a master's. I had done my undergraduate and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do and more education seemed to be, <laughs> like if not more education seemed to be the answer. And um, I, what I feel now with sort of young people and all the push that's there towards STEM and towards, you know, kind of maths and sciences. And, and I have two children who graduated with their engineering degree. And to me, like, I'm in awe of that because I had no idea when I was 21 really what I wanted to do. So I think my advice to myself at the time would have been, like, don't beat yourself up over that if you don't know what you want to do. Um, and then also that you might have multiple, you know, careers or multiple, you know, places that you're going to be working. So um, so I think there's just a lot of pressure, you know, on young people yeah. uh, to get out there and, um, and just to feel like it's a... And we talk about mental health now a lot more openly yeah, and honestly yeah, than right, we would yeah. have before. So I think my advice would just be like fasten your seatbelt and, uh, you know, it's got a lot, you've got a long career and road ahead of you and uh, you don't know what's going to happen and it's going to take some curves and dips and yeah, you know, just yeah. be kind to yourself. And I think there's a lot of us that can be, you know, we're kind of sometimes our worst critic or hardest on ourselves. You're not doing enough. You're not doing it, you know, fast enough, good enough. And, um, and I've been told by a few of my staff, including here, you know, it might be the perfectionist <laughs> terminology <laughs> might be applied. So I think I would always, you know, always just trying to kind of be kind to yourself and uh, just, you know, take a deep breath and do what you can do. And, yeah. uh, yeah, but but don't like, but not to stop an ambition, really. Absolutely, because um, I think it's interesting. Like in Ireland, as a seventeen or eighteen year old, you're being asked to make a choice about what your college degree is going to be or your that's next right. stage in life is going to be at seventeen or eighteen. Like yeah. you've got to be open to the fact it's going to change. The, and in a place like Germany, you have to decide even earlier because you go into different kinds of high schools. You know, depending on yeah, well, what your uh, what your interests are. So yeah, so it's a lot. Like when I think back on the <laughs> the number of jobs that I did, and did you know, did I think I would wind up here? I mean, it's uh, yeah. So I think just dream big. But, uh, but also be kind to yourself and yeah, kind of live in the moment a bit. Brilliant. Well, look, thank you to uh, Ambassador Nancy Smith.